welcome to episode number 150 of the DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me this week is Sassy Outwater. We're getting an update on how her surgery went, all of the books she's reading during her recovery from brain surgery, and a sample of what books sound like for blind readers. This podcast is brought to you by New American Library, publisher of The Caller, the sizzling hot new submissive novel from New York Times bestselling author Tara Sumi, available now wherever books are sold. And this week we have a podcast transcript sponsor. Our transcripts are compiled by Garlic Knitter and our podcast transcript is being sponsored by Wattpad, a community where over 40 million people from around the world are reading, writing, and connecting over stories. Whatever you're into, there's a story you'll love on Wattpad. Join today and find your happily ever after. The music you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater, and we talk about the peat bog fairies during the podcast, so there's information about that too. I will have further information about all of these things, plus information on where to find all of the books that we talk about. This is an expensive podcast, and I apologize. At the end of the podcast and on the podcast entry. And I've said podcast like nine times, so if you weren't sure what you were listening to, now you know. And without any further delay, on with the podcast. Hey girl, how's your brain? My brain is here, it's functioning, it's good. Well then what more could you really ask for? (laughs) Not a thing. Oh, and the tumor's gone, so yay. Fuck yeah! Fully functional brain, no tumor. Brain is is rewiring itself, so there's some interesting things going on. Do you have but to have uh, Do you have to have rehabilitation work? I do. I've had three weeks of it, uh, two weeks of it now, and it's going really well. Um, what do you have to do? Do you have to try to like move spoons and bend forks and stuff? With my mind, yes. That would be so <laughs> rad, dude. Uri Geller's key thing. Yeah, no. Um, I. So I do some physical therapy with my left hand. Um, that sounds really, really wrong. Um, trying to get some of my left hand coordination back. And then I'm also doing um, some speech related and memory and task. So I have trouble with multitasking sometimes. And um, like what you forget what you're doing in the middle of doing it. Yeah. So I'll be doing something. And if I get distracted, like if I start a conversation with somebody while I'm in the middle of, you know, writing an email um, or shopping online, like pick, you know, picking out groceries. Um, I'll forget what the next item on my, on my list was for groceries, and I'll have to go back and look, or you know, I'll forget it completely if I don't have it written down. Things like that. Yikes! Um, but that's been before the surgery. It just is more pronounced after the surgery. When I got home from the hospital, I could do one task at a time. If you interrupted that, or if if I got um, stopped, I couldn't complete the task. I couldn't focus. I would have to sit down and kind of reboot for a second or stop and reboot for a second. Um, and then continue on with what I was doing. So that was hard. And poor fatigue had to (laughs) deal with me going, wait, hang on. Don't talk to me. Wait, let me do this. What was I doing? I was doing a thing. What was I I doing? I was holding a shirt. That's why I'm holding it in my hand. (laughs) It was, it was an interesting few days. And then I've had some speech stuff. And lately it seems like there's a wire crossed and and emotional stuff um, is getting mixed up in the multitasking stuff. So my brain, I'll be watching something totally happy in a a comedy moment on TV. And my, my brain will say, okay, here's where we push the sad button. And I'll get sad. Oh, that's so frustrating. It's weird. It is. It's like I'm renting somebody else's emotional brain while my logical brain is watching from the back seat. And it's going, that's not what you're supposed to do right here. 
Why are you doing that? And my emotional brain is like, I'm going to get mad now for absolutely no reason, or I'm going to get scared, or I'm going to get sad. It's the big, um, big trigger emotions that it, it goes into, like the main big emotions that you feel. And my brain just randomly starts doing these things, even though there's absolutely no correct causation. And it's, it's good. It means my brain is rewiring itself. It right. means my brain is healing. But it's also really weird to live through because you're you're in a brain you don't recognize for a while until your brain gets used to itself and settles down. So it's it's a really weird experience. That is really weird. And it is. I mean, I'm sure that it helps to be able to recognize, okay, clearly this is my brain being weird. So you're both aware of your feelings and also <laughs> having them. It is. It's, it's very the, your brain is very meta. It's probably one of the weirdest experiences I've been through. Last night, I got some really good news. And about an hour later, probably due to the fact that this was such shocking news, about an hour later, um, my brain got really, really sad. And I'm sitting there going, there's absolutely no reason for this. Logically, I understand that. But that does not prevent me from feeling like, I need to what go cry. on earth is happening to me? I wonder if for your brain, any emotional outlet is an applicable outlet, whether it's crying or laughing, you are still releasing. Yeah. So maybe for your brain, it's like, you know, any output will do. If you sneeze, that's fine, too. It's like there's a little team of engineers in there and they're going, OK, wait, so this shouldn't be wired to the sad button. This shouldn't be wired to the angry button. So mm, let's try wiring it to this button and see what happens. Right. Your brain is it has something called plasticity, which means that it can rebuild circuitry in there. And it seems like yes. as it's rebuilding the multitasking circuitry, it's accidentally hooking up things to my emotional buttons and my emotional side is going no that does not go there so my brain is wise enough to recognize that there's a problem and it is actively trying to fix it but it's just it's, it's my brain is under process. remodeling and I don't get to move out while the remodeling happens I have to sit on the couch and watch it all you know oh dude so what <laughs> what do you what, what do you do for therapy I um tell me you bend spoons that's all I want to know <laughs> No, so they. So I'm going to see you at RT, and you're going to be like, Sarah, watch, I can lift the guide dog with my mind, and I'm going to be like, yes. <laughs> they have you do um, a lot of cognitive exercises, so you're doing memory tasks. They give you lists of words, and you have to memorize the words, and then they'll distract you with another multi, another task, and then you have to go back and remember the words. Basic. Um, psychological cognitive tests like that and then with my my hand I'm doing hand exercises and reteaching my hand how to measure weight before it picks something up by volume by density of the bottle or the the um the weight that they're having me lift um so it's just teaching my nerves to talk to each other again it's just teaching my body to respond to itself the right way logically and yeah, and it's not this particular tumor was not anywhere near any of those um, areas particular, of the brain. Right, but it still has an effect on your overall brain. When you when you have brain surgery, it's elective brain trauma. You <clears throat> okay? You didn't elect to have the tumor, but you you're going in and you and, have to get it out. Right. It's, so it does are, affect your brain. It does, and it affects as a whole. And so you have situations where things happen, and you don't you know, okay, so it was nowhere near there, but something happened, let's fix it. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now. And it's just, okay, whatever. Yep. Um, okay, we fine. deal with it. Yeah, we deal with it. And it's, I am very, very lucky in that I know what my 
my brain injuries are from seven years of dealing with with these things and having them happen. They weren't expected. They weren't anticipated. Um, but they happened. And I have a lot of neurologists who would look at me and, and kind of just go, well, that's nowhere near that. But then I have a lot of neurologists now on my team who are like, we get it. You know, it happens. And um, your brain is weird anyway, so we'll deal with it. As a person who lost her sight young in life, my brain reorganized itself into... So the occipital lobe, which is your lobe that processes vision, is probably being designated to do something else in my brain because I don't need it. So it's just sitting there empty. And my brain is like, oh, unused space. Let's go stick your function for how you read or how you speak. Let's go put it back there because we're not using it for anything else. So blind people's brains can be, or anybody with somebody with a, a missing sensory or, or um, physical disability can have a lot of rewiring in the brain. And let's face it, we really don't know that much about the brain anyway. And then when you have somebody who doesn't fit the rest of what they classify as normal human brain activity, um, you have some pretty strange things come up and it just happens. So um, we're trying to map how my brain works and how it thinks. And um, so a lot of time in therapy is spent doing what they call fMRI, which is functional magnetic resonance imaging, like they're looking at how my brain processes things and what where the blood flow goes so they can see while I'm doing a task, what is my brain doing? What parts of my brain are activated? So that they can get a better idea of how my brain is, is handling different tasks and if there's anything they need to do or can do to help change that. Right. So do you think this is somewhat similar to how people who have synesthesia and how their brains work? Because they have, you know, all kinds of, cross wiring yes. like you know it's exactly the same thing your right. brain just has different circuitry it's brains it's, are funky man <laughs> it's it's all a wiring it's all electrical wiring this button does this so let's hook this wire up to this think of your sixth grade science class where you right. you know hooked the doorbell up and to the little electrical battery that you made and <laughs> rang the doorbell i mean that's exactly what your brain is doing it goes oh so this happens when i do this and your brain just rewires itself that way that's why when you have like football players who get concussions, right? Um, their it brain rewires your brain. It does, and then maybe it rewires incorrectly. But the football player has no idea that its brain has his brain has had to redo that. So that's why you start having huge TBI issues later on in life because they just weren't aware that things could be happening. At least with with a neurosurgical patient, they know there was trauma inflicted. They can step in and help with that rewiring. But for somebody like a veteran or somebody with a, a football player, when you don't know that there has been injury to the brain, you can't step in soon enough to help with that rewiring process. And the brain can have some pretty bad wiring and, and problematic things happen by the time they actually realize what happened. Are people like studying your brain while you're recovering it? Or are there people who are like, oh, well, Sassy's brain is neat. Let's, let's map that. <laughs> they're looking at it right now. Yeah. But they're, I mean... You can't it's, really see the wiring firing. Like you can't right. see brain cells and nerve endings Not talking yet, to no. each other. We can see brain waves when you yep. do an EEG. We can see that. We can see blood flow to different parts of the brain with an F fMRI. We can see what parts of the brain are activated with an MEG right. um, scan. But we can't see what neuron is talking to what neuron. We can't hear what they're saying to each other and we can't watch an electrical impulse travel down a nerve. So 
yeah, we're missing a lot still. We're getting a lot, but we're missing a lot. We're there, but we're not. <laughs> it's still a huge mystery. I had some pretty major stuff happen after surgery uh, with my heart. And they have answers, but not all of them. They're still not sure brain-wise what happened. Um, but your brain talks to your heart. And if your brain is going through some sort of trauma, swelling, or other recovery-related things, it can't tell your heart what to do. It's so busy taking care of itself. Um, and your heart goes crazy. Or, in my case, slows to dangerous levels. And your brain can't step in and, and regulate that because it's so focused on taking care of itself. So um, we're still missing a lot of the connections that we need to know to really have neuroscience all figured out. I am just a patient. I have no neuroscience degree. This is all just stuff I've picked up. That as you've I've been learned. A patient. Right. Yeah. So what else are you doing while you uh, let your brain do its thing and learn how to use your hands and do physical <laughs> therapy? Are you re are you able to read? I am reading like crazy. Yes, tell us about <laughs> the books cuz I mean, I is it possible for you to play a sample of what a book sounds like to you because when you and Pratik yeah. did yeah. that at the session I was that we did at RWA, I think it was 3 years ago. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know what that thing just said. Can you, is that possible to play a sample of what a book sounds like for you when you're reading? Uh, sure. Hang on. He's making tea. I'm distracting him. This is a problem for him. <laughs> no, he'll, he'll be here in a minute. He's just, cool. he's going to get that. Um, so yeah, books I am reading. Julie Rose, Deadly Strain just came out and I just read it and I was like crazy for it. Um, really? It's dark. It is very, very dark, but it's dark in a good way. It's dark in a really. Um... I have to. I have to be a horrible human being and say that the, the title makes me feel like a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> Deadly strain. <laughs> I, I know. Um, <laughs> Shut up, butthead. Anyway, <laughs> so it's about a doctor in Afghanistan who's trained to handle um, viral outbreaks and, right. and contagious diseases. And she gets called into a village where everyone has died and she figures out that it's anthrax. They are trying to contain this thing and there's, there's intrigue and there's romance and there's just not romance sex. And there's, there's backstory that is very dark. Um, and there's just constant action. And every time you go, no, don't go there. She goes there. <laughs> Um, she takes every plot twist that you're like, that would be the worst possible thing to happen to them. And yep, it happens. But it was an incredibly great book. And it's part of a series. I think the next one comes out in October, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And I really, um, I roomed with her. I roomed with Julie and her daughter at RT and we had never met each other before, but I found out just randomly a week before, um, RT that my neurosurgery date had been moved so I could actually go to RT originally yes. my surgery is supposed to happen right in the middle of RT and so I needed a roommate last minute and they needed a roommate last minute and it was perfect it's um, lovely when that works out because sometimes you could be like wow this is so awkward for the next four days yeah and it was so cool that they loved Ferdinand and we got along really well and yeah but one of the things like when I saw that I was rooming with an author I'm like oh go check out her books and I read the the blurb for this book and I went actually that sounds like something I'd really like I love thrillers I love suspense I love romance obviously 
And so sure enough, I picked up the book and I went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, so yeah, but she, she um, has just this way of, of going into really dark territory. So it, it is probably something that people who don't want to read about war or violence or um, there is some, some childhood uh, trauma in the book. Yeah, this so is not a stuff, book for Sarah. No, not for you. This <laughs> not I love how everyone knows, like, no, Sarah, this is not for you. Yeah, this is Step not for away you. from the book. The book. Do not read this. Yes. But, okay, I understand. Thank you. But that being said, I like, I don't like all the violence and the horrible stuff. Let's get that straight. But I like dark, realistic, gritty kind of books. And it was just a great read. Cool. Um, so I'm reading that one. I'm reading... Rainbow Rowell's catalog, I'm going back through all of it and reading Landline for the first time. Oh, how do you like it? I actually love it. I'm right in the middle of it right now, so I haven't finished it, but I love it. Um, You've read her other books, though, right? I have, yeah. Which is yeah. your favorite? Landline, I think, is going to be my favorite. Wow. Surprisingly. Really? Surprisingly. But I like just the blatant, upfront, no bones about it way she walks right into the character's head and sits down as if the character is just very blunt, very honest, very trying to figure herself out. Right. And of I course. Think all of us can relate to that. All just a little. Are not completely self-aware and, and self-possessed and this character is not. And she doesn't need to be. I like reading a book where the character doesn't have it all figured out. Um, and, and when she writes characters, they are flawed with good intentions. Yep. But visible flaws. Visible flaws and I think very human, very common flaws that we can all find something in to identify with um, or to empathize with. And I think that, you know, especially right now, I put myself on a good feelings read for a couple weeks. That's, uh, a, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I wanted my favorites reads. I wanted my, my good comforts reads and were these Hers, new books or books that you knew that you loved? First, right out of surgery, they were books that I knew that I loved. They were all old comfort reads. I made a list of just stuff that I know makes me feel good from start to finish. And then I went on and I made a list of books that um, are a little bit farther afield. And then I, I started getting into the deeper, darker stuff like Deadly Strain. Yeah. <laughs> just to see if I could do it. And um, yeah, she was in the middle. She was kind of on one of those where, yeah, there's conflict, there's stuff, there's emotional issues but it's it's good it's it's all good because the character is figuring her way through the world and who doesn't want to do that of course so what is on your list of books that make you happy start to finish um well hang on just a second i'm gonna pause for just a minute randomly i'm gonna play the sample oh please do please do me a fresh cup of tea and i'm gonna also (laughs) hand me his phone so so what does a book sound like for you the noise of the ship was all around her. The faint subsonic rumble of the reactor and drive. The constant hiss and thud of hydraulics and steel bolts as the pressure doors between decks opened and closed. The clump of heavy boots walking on metal decking. She waited until all the noise she could hear sounded distant, then pulled the environment suit off its hooks and onto the locker floor. Listening for any approaching sound, she slowly disassembled the suit and took out the water supply. It was old and stale. The suit obviously hadn't been used or serviced in ages. But she hadn't had a sip in days, and the warm, loamy water in the suit's reservoir bag was the best thing she had ever tasted. She had to work hard. So that's that's a sample, and it's... Clearly he's listening to sci-fi. What is that? I want to read that. 
Apparently he's got a book that needs to go in my TBR pile. James S.A. Corey. And is that your normal speed or is that slow for you? That's how many words per minute is that? 280. So that's that's low That for us. Like I've listened to it at about 500 words a minute. Yeah. Wait, give me it. So let me play it like the, the speed we'd actually listen to it at. Wait, you listen to almost double that speed? Yes. Man, y'all are cool. No wonder you're churning through books. You're going to, like, run out of them. I know. Um. Chatter, curl up, The ship, chatter, curl up. Next, body, action. Audio settings, adjustable. Language, English, 200, speech rate, 280 words per minute. Speech rate, item specific, 280 words per minute, adjustable. 300, 300, 300, 300, 400, 400, 400, 460 words per minute. 480 words, 500 words per minute. Okay. Oh, gosh. Okay, here we go. Reader, back button. Reader, back button, play, button, adjustable. The ship was all around her. The face of Sonic rumbled over the reactor and drive. The constant hiss of flooded hydraulics and steel bolts as the pressure doors between decks opened and closed. The clump of heavy boots walking on metal decking. She waited until all the noise she could hear sounded distant, then pulled the environment and sent off its hooks and onto the locker floor. Listening for any approaching sound, she slowly disassembled the suit and took out the water supply. It was old and stale. The suit obviously hadn't been used or serviced in ages. But she hadn't had a seven days, and the warm, lonely water in the suit's reservoir bag was the best thing she had ever tasted. She had to work hard. So that's the same exact clip we just listened to, except it's at 500 words per minute. Holy crap, dude. You're yeah. actually going to run out of books. <laughs> No, I don't think there's any fear of that happening. That's what Amazon is for. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, there are some books that you can't do that to, right? Like, do some publishers place limits on the speed to which you can listen a book? Um, no, it depends on what app you're listening to it in. Ah, so, so it's, not a, it's not a DRM thing. Yeah, so I'm using an app called VoiceStream. Um we can import books from all different kinds of places, but not from everywhere yet. Um, and in there, we can set the voices to read however fast we want. But in something where we're reading the book in like a Kindle app or an iBooks app, we are limited to how fast the, the speech synthesizer there goes. And it does not go that fast. Um, so it really depends on what platform you're using to read the book and interact with it. Cool. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the sample. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It's it's definitely weird if you're not used to it. But we're used to it because this is what we do all day for work, for fun. This We listen to automated speech. Everybody's like, well, how do you understand that? I'm like, because I do it Because you get used to long. it. <laughs> yeah. And if you get, if it seems too slow, then you can speed it up. Right. And that happens. Like gradually you'll go, okay, now this feels too slow for me and you'll want it faster because your brain is going ahead of it because it's gotten used to that. It's you know, your eyes automatically start to read faster. You get better and better at reading as you're growing up. Right. So do your ears. Cool. Yeah. So tell me, what is on your list of things that make you feel good? Oh, yeah. We were back to that. The feel-good recovery books of Sassy Atwater. Shannon Stacy was huge on that list. Um, I love her Kowalski series, so that was on there. Megan, Megan Mulry was on the list. I love her... Oh, good grief. I'm trying to remember the actual name of the series. R is for Rebel. The Royal, yeah, the Royal Pain. Pains. That's the name of the series, um, I believe. And I love that whole series. She also has a series out now that I've started that is all about, um, I think, Passion. I want to say it's called Passion Unbound is the latest one. I picked it up, but I haven't started it yet. Um, but it deals with polyamory. It deals with... Um, different lovers from different backgrounds. It's really beautifully done. And I like that, that series as well. I have to catch up on it, is but I love it. Is that historical? Yes. Yeah. 
that one is historical versus the other one is contemporary. Right. Um, and I love her style of writing. It's just very familiar and warm and kind of welcomes your brain in versus other authors can kind of, I don't know, there's a, a definite distance between your brain and the author brain. I don't feel that with Megan. I feel very connected, I guess, to, to her writing style. What else is on my feel goods? A lot of Mercedes Lackey's older stuff was on there. I mean, we've all, if you like fantasy, we've all read the Heralds of Valdemar. So I went back and read some of those. Um, I went back and reread a bunch of Vivian Oren's books and Heidi Cullinan's books. Um, those were also on my feel good list. Heidi's stuff, it, it doesn't do always feel goods, but it feels good to me because it's identifiable. Um, her book, Carry the Ocean, I think that's up for Rita, isn't it? Is that? I think that it thing? is, yes. Yeah. And I, or I no, back... it might be Love Lessons that's up Love for Lessons? Rita. She's going to kill me for not getting that right. I don't remember. Dude, um, I will be doing an interview with an author, which has actually happened. And I will said, you know, the one of yours that has the yellow dress on the cover. <laughs> like I did an interview with Julie James. And I'm like, what was the one with the red dress? And she's like, oh, yeah, the bandage dress. And I'm like, it's really embarrassing that I am interviewing you and I can't keep and the I name straight. <laughs> so really, no shame. Okay, good. <laughs> Carry the Ocean I absolutely love because it deals with disabled characters and disability identity and all of that. And it, it was really just nice to step into a well-done disabled character book and go, yeah, I so get that whole brain thing where your brain doesn't work the way you want it to. Yep. Um, and you see that every, everybody else's brain works, but you still love your own brain because it's your brain. Yes. And you want to respect it, but everybody else says you shouldn't, but you still do. Um, I loved that. And I went back and reread that just for the fact that I could go, I'm so there right now. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't I mean, a lot I have of autism, but dude, I have the, the brain issue thing. Yeah. And I get it. And there, there are not a lot of heroes and heroines that have brain issues. There are a lot now with the war and the soldier books on the rise that have PTSD. Yes. I'm seeing more and more of that. But I was but thinking not, outside of PTSD. There's I mean, really not. There's I mean, really not. Yeah. I think the first book that comes to mind for me when you mention autism is The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie. Mm-hmm. And then The Rosie Project. I loved The Rosie Project. And I picked that up on your recommendation. And I you was liked it? About it? I did. I loved it. Well, there's a lot about brain in there. My favorite, there my favorite scene in that book is that he's the narrator. Don is explaining why he's frustrated because other people are inconsistent and don't follow a schedule. And you can tell in the text that he's getting worked up. And he says something like, "And this is the world that I have to live in." And I was yes. like, "Dude, I do not it's have not autism. Me, it's you." And I know that feel. <laughs> I was reading an article right now. There's two big conventions going on for blindness related advocacy and is membership organizations. So you have the NFB, which is kind of like the blind version of Republicans. You have the <laughs> ACB, which is kind of like the blind version of Democrats. And they're both, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to deal with blindness and visual impairment. And I was reading an article the other day and it pretty much clearly said it. It said, I may be disabled, but that is not my biggest problem. The world and the fact that it is not designed with me in mind is the biggest problem that I face as a disabled person. I constantly have to adapt to the rest of y'all, you know, and yet y'all seem to think that this is my fault. 
or it's my disabilities problem. Really? No. So, you know, and I love that. I think the Rosie project has a great way of illustrating that. I love the scene where he's got like this high tech Gore-Tex raincoat on that he spent like a thousand bucks on and it's doing him absolutely no good in the situation that he's in. And he's like, I don't understand this. Like, <laughs> this is the raincoat everybody told me to buy, but this is, it's working. not working. <laughs> you know, and it's so true. It's like my brain, your brain, when you have a hidden disability, your brain can operate in thousands of ways. And, um, there are definitely all ways that are not, you know, standard to the world. And the world's like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm just doing what I normally do. And the world just kind of sits there and stares at you like, okay, but I don't know how to process this. And you're like, who's the one with the problem now? Um, so yeah, I think Heidi, Carrie D. Ocean does an amazing job of, of demonstrating that. The Rosie Project. I'm trying to think of other books that have that. There, There's a book by Elaine Hussey called The Sweetest Hallelujah. And there's a character in there that is dealing with some disabilities, some hidden disability and processing issues. She never comes out and directly states it, but she does such a good job at character development that you can see it. Um, and another one of the characters has cancer and the book is dealing with um, race in the the sixties and uh, living in the South. And it's a, a great book. Um, but I like the way that she tackles disability without coming out and out saying the character is disabled to give the reader that clue. The reader is so immersed in the character's point of view that the reader becomes almost disabled in their point of view as well. Is that so like a difficult that. balance for you to manage as a reader that some characters are disabled and that's the only thing about them? Oh, it drives me nuts. <laughs> like plot bunny. Yeah, I mean... If you are writing a character for this, the disability, then you're doing it wrong. If you are writing a disability for the character because the character needs to be disabled, because that is the character, then you're doing it right. But if you are writing a character because you want to write a blind character, if the disability comes first, just don't know. I, I, I will DNF a book for that. Like It bothers me to the nth degree when the disability is the primary character trait. Um, Have you read Carrie Lofty's historical that is a retelling of um, uh, Robin Hood from Will Scarlet's perspective? No. The heroine is, I believe, a blind pyromaniac sorcerer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that. I need this that. now. <laughs> wow. Did this need to get in your brain? There's a difference between I am writing a disabled character for serious purposes and I am writing with satire and that sounds like satire and that sounds awesome. <laughs> well, part of it is part of the reason I liked it is that it was about Will Scarlet and how much he, the first line is he hated trees. Will Scarlet hated trees. <laughs> and oh my goodness, I have to find this book for you. Yes. I reviewed it a long time ago, but I remember the the fact that you know, the heroine is, or the, the hero is, you know, he's Will Scarlet. There's already some built-in information about him. Right. Um, I believe that the heroine is, I don't think she has magical powers, but she likes to set shit on fire. I know that. I like her. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, who doesn't want to just set shit on fire every now and again? All right, so you want me to tell you what book this is? Yeah. Okay. It is called What a Scoundrel Wants by okay, yeah, Carrie Lofty. Yeah. 
Thank you, Carrie, for writing that. Yes, I need to go find this. Dude, I want to be her. I like her. <laughs> that is so cool. Megan Hart wrote a book, and we talked about it at the RT panel. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wrote a book. The book is broken, and it's about a, a husband who becomes disabled. He becomes a quadriplegic, and his wife is still becoming his, his primary caretaker mm-hmm. throughout the book. And she and her husband are both trying to place their sex lives both together and separately into proper context now that he's disabled. She's trying to figure out what her sexual identity is now as the wife of a disabled man. And he's trying to figure out how can I get laid? And I have this beautiful wife and what am I supposed to do? And his self-worth is all wrapped up in that. His self-confidence is wrapped up in that. His, all of this stuff is going through his mind as he's trying to accept his disability. He's also got to accept what's happened to his sexuality. Right. And I don't think a lot of people would have the the balls to tackle something like that. Megan does head on. And there are a lot of people with disabilities who, you know, had mixed views of this book. And and there were a lot of people who said it was right. There were a lot of people who said um, there were good and bad things about it. But I liked the fact that she took that issue on. Cool. It's a tearjerker, but it's a really good book. A lot of Megan Hart's books are. But I like, I love her. That was the first book I read from her and I, I fell in love with her writing style. I loved it. Is that something that you can read right now or would your brain be like, no, too much, too many, too many feels. Stop with the feels. That's too much feels. I can read that right now because this is kind of my world. I live in, in the disabled world and have a very right. different view of it than somebody else who doesn't. Um, I know it affected a lot of other people very profoundly and was very hard for them to read. I couldn't put the books down. My dogs got really ticked off at me because our dinner was two hours late because I was stuck sitting in the chair reading the book. <laughs> the lady, the lady feed us. Yes. But human, I, you know, it didn't make me have the, the tears that other people did. It, it I kind of went, yeah, I, I get it. I know. But like fault in our stars made me fall, even though I've been a cancer patient since I was six months old off and on. I mean, that book made me cry because it was, I totally identified with with a lot of what was going on in that book. But I think it's just how familiar you are and how comfortable you are and how where you are in your acceptance process, whether you can read a, a book or not. Um, when you deal with books that deal with tough stuff, you, you get into your own head a little bit. I think everybody does. And you just have to decide where is your acceptance line? Where is your, this makes me feel good, this makes me cry, and that's okay, and this makes me cry, and that's not okay. Um, or this makes me get mad and that's not okay. Or this makes me get mad and makes me want to do something about it. Or this makes me mad and I just want to turn the next page and see what happens. <laughs> I think there's different levels of responsiveness that we have to books. And that's that's good. And I just was trying to find out, as I was going through my list of books, what is my responsiveness to these books? And you know, where is my brain emotionally? And where am I mentally in all of this? Because my brain is there, but where am I? And it was a good barometer for me. Like books are always my barometer. Books mm-hmm. and music are how I think. So after neurosurgery, I went, is everything intact? I don't know. Let's pick up a book and find out. Yes. Can I read? Okay. Can I understand music? Okay. Then we're good. <laughs> everything else is fungible. Yes, exactly. So what about the new um, Pete Bog Fairies album? Did you produce that? No, they did all the recording and everything for that over in Scotland. Um, And they did not fly you in? (laughs) What is that? 
they do their own thing and they are, they are badass at their own thing. They do a lot of their own mixing and production and they work with great people. Um, but I'm just, I'm just pimping them out. (laughs) (laughs) Go buy this in this particular instance. They are amazing guys. And we're hoping maybe if we get enough yes to this album in the States, that maybe they'll come hang out with us a little bit. That would be pretty rad. Um, cause they did Canada. They like Canada better. Um, well, so, okay, you know, I can guys, actually, I can understand that actually <laughs> to be <laughs> completely right. fair. They do have poutine. I love Canada. I'm watching like a bunch of CBC shows, like, cause with the books I'm Netflixing constantly because yep. I still can't go back to work yet. Yep. I have to have another surgery on Monday. Booyah. Um, well, what's this one for? <laughs> because of course nothing just stops just because you have brain surgery. I have to have my gallbladder out and I have to look at my liver while I'm in. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> this possibly wait yeah monday which okay in the scheme of things just that's a minor surgery whatever but it just means another week off work it just means more downtime so yeah netflix so i'm watching a bunch of canadian tv and man i love their tv yeah the peat bog fairies loved canada canada loved them and next hopefully we'll get them out to the states because we love them too i do love the new album i think it's so great it's amazing i adored it i i sat down and listened to it for the first time and i just went yeah, nailed it. That's that's it. Oh my gosh, you just you just keep getting better. You just keep getting more aware of what's happening in both the pop and alternative, uh, you know, hip hop, dance, music scene, and the Celtic scene, and you just so seamlessly put them together. They know what they're doing. So when you are going back to work, do you still work in music production? Yep, I still do some of that. I still do some accessibility. I'm kind of all over the place, and I'm still trying to publish romance novels too. Well, you know, as, as, as it should be. Like you do. Yep. Yeah. What other books have you read and recommend lately? Jeffy Kennedy's book, Under Contract, is coming out Tuesday. This is another one of her eroticas. We all know I love Jeffy Kennedy, uh, but this one actually took me a while to get into. Um, it was a scene that I wasn't really into as a reader, but the author writes so well that I kind of went, okay, I'm going to stick with this and just see where it goes. Right. And I wound up liking the characters and liking the the actual um, layout of the book, but it, it took me a while. And it's, it definitely was not something that I would have picked up if it wasn't from one of my favorite authors. <laughs> it's a book where the, the woman is in the process of getting laid off when the book opens. Uh, literally, she's sitting in the office being laid off. Then she meets a, a prior client, and the client proposes why don't we set up a contract where you get to choose the sexual favors and I will pay you for them and I kind of went whoa I don't like that that was an immediate like turnoff for me mm-hmm. as far as readership I you know those things that you just don't want to read about like you for the avoid Sarah top topics that you just don't want to read like that was totally one of mine I'm like I don't want to do that but I kept reading just to kind of see what was what was going on. And I'm glad I did because I slowly wound up really respecting and liking the characters. But it's definitely one of those books where you you see that there are different flavors of erotica. There are different flavors of romance novel. And you have to respect that for someone else, that would totally be their thing. And that would totally be a safe and comfortable way for them to explore that topic. Like we were talking about the last interview, uh, you know. It's a safe zone to read about something like that for somebody. Yes, because you explain you could you can explore it in your brain, right? But for others of us, that's like, oh, I don't want to go there. I read a book books with a ton of different kinds of kink in them, and some of it is comfortable to me, some of it is not. That doesn't mean that I can't respect it, right? But there are some that definitely make me go, Ugh, you know, and that would be one of mine. Is the whole um, 
idea of being under contract and, and getting paid to do sexual favors. Okay, that's fine, but that doesn't mean I can't respect it and still read it and right. find the good in it. And I really did. I wound up getting halfway through it and going, actually, I really like what they're doing with this. Cool. So, yeah, Mad Respect, and it's a great book. And um, I love her other erotica. I liked this one. I love Going Under, which is the same series. That one was one of my favorites that she's ever done. Um, that's a, about gaming and uh, hacking and web design and computer geeks. So, yeah, I liked it. But um, I love the erotica in that book, and she does a really good job with um, bringing the characters together in that book and building that relationship. So it's all the same series. Totally shift. Dan Gist's World's Fair books. Yeah, I had just finished reading several months ago. Um, I can remember the name of the character. I can't remember the name of the book. The Billy Jack Tate is a female doctor at the World's Fair. I'm trying to remember the name of that book. It might be It Happened at the World's Fair. Um, Fair Play, I believe, is the name of the book. Um... Yeah, I believe that that's it. And the the she is one of the first female doctors, and there are a lot of men who she needs to treat. The men are all like, I don't want to be treated by a female. Are you kidding me? The girls can't be doctors. And she has to overcome that. She has to overcome so much prejudice and stigma about the female and the medical profession. <laughs> she winds up meeting the hero of the book because he's sick and... I think it's the only book where I've ever seen the heroine give the hero an enema for medical purposes. Let's just clear that up. But Whoa. Uh, they wound up falling in love anyway. Wow. I just had to go, how did you make that actually work? <laughs> Mad respect to her for making that scene totally work. But the, the series is great. And I love Tiffany Girls. I really liked that book. I love her historical accuracy and her, her attention to detail. I think it's really... Redheaded girl loves her. Yeah, I love that series more than some of the other stuff I've read from her. I like her other stuff, but I really love that series because it's so well researched and it's stuff that you don't normally read doesn't get paid a lot of attention to in history. I was reading or watching, excuse me, on Netflix the CBC series Bomb Girls, which is about the girls in the the munitions factories in World War II uh, making the bombs to go off to the soldiers, and you. You don't see a lot about that in history books, the women's effort during the war. And I love that show because it highlights a portion of history that doesn't get uber coverage from everybody else. Did you ever watch The Bletchley Circle? Yes, I did. I liked that. That that seems incredibly tailored to you. <laughs> yes. My brain does work like that. It's all like logic. And yeah, I loved that series. It was really good. What's interesting is that for me, when I watched it, and it got a little too creepy and violent, like I had to watch it on mute sometimes, because yes. it got increasingly creepy and violent as the story progressed, which, as you know, is not my thing. Right. But the fact that these were all ferociously intelligent women, mm -hmm. and they went from cracking codes to tasks that they were they were really bored by mm -hmm. and what I was what, what what I found so cool was how they found and used patterns in their daily lives like yeah one of them was always knitting because that's a code yes and then once you break the code it's a pretty simple code so it, it was it wasn't going to be a sustaining level of inter entertainment for her but the fact that she found all of these codes in her life was I thought that was so cool I Sucked at math in high school, really badly, actually. 
And it wasn't until college and I took my first audio engineering course and started learning about the physics of sound and the science behind sound waves that my brain actually made the leap from numbers drive me nuts and I hate them to wait, numbers are the key to how sound works. And I am a diehard crazy musician and now I actually get it. Like once I put music to math, it fully came together in my head and I haven't struggled with math since then, but it had to huh. actually, the physics and the science had to come first and my brain had to find those patterns within the music and go, okay, so there's this hertz jump and there's this decibel sound and there's, that's how all of this works. And my brain did math based on music and that was it. It figured it out, but it had to put it in a, a pattern that it recognized. And once I did that, I went, oh, that code is easy to break, but your brain thinks in terms of everybody's brain thinks in terms of different things and that was the key to unlocking my brain was music and putting math with it yep so is there anything that you wish your brain would hurry up and get on with already or are you pretty pleased with how much it's done so far i've been doing amazingly well i'm proud of my brain i'm so happy that the cancer is done yay i don't have to deal with that anymore um I'm and they got all the tumor it's out they did. We're waiting for pathology, but it looks like everything is good, and um, they'll still have to keep scanning me to make sure that nothing comes back and all of that, yada, 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 but, you know, yeah, I'm done. For right now, there is no cancer in my body that Yay! we know of anywhere, and oh my gosh, it feels so good. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I can't celebrate that enough. Um, trying to maintain respect for my brain and all it's been through is sometimes hard, sometimes easy, but it's you know, my brain will heal as it heals. I've done amazingly well so far. I'm very lucky that I don't have more issues than I do. And I'll get back to full charge when I do and when my brain decides that it's ready. And that's yep. just going to happen when it happens. I can't, I can't rush genius. And my brain is genius because it survived <laughs> all of that. Not because it's smart, okay? Uh. Let's just clear that up, but because it just kicked cancer's ass, I think my brain is pretty bad. I, I agree. I think that you are totally within line to take as much time as you need to be awesome. <laughs> Trying to give my brain a positive environment to heal in and, you know, complimenting it maybe will help. I don't know. Well, romance, yelling at it. <laughs> romance will certainly help. Oh, hell yeah. Romance always helps. Anything. <laughs> Tea and romance are my cures for anything in life. That, you know what, that pretty much does it. <laughs> what else do you need in the world? It's true. I have one last question for you, ma'am. Yep. Did you get a horn? Did you 3D print your skull with something cool? I think they implanted something in there because the, the front fourth of my skull, like the front quarter of the right side of my skull, it's still numb. I still can't feel much up there. So I think there's still something growing in there. I know they did a hell of a lot of reconstruction up there. The surgery yeah. wound up taking about 10 hours. Good God. That's a really long time. It was. They did so much reconstruction. <laughs> and wow. they had a couple delays in surgery and stuff. But they got it all done. But there might be something hatching in there. I don't know. There might be... <laughs> You know what? I bet I'm going to show up to RT next year with like one devil's horn just because my surgeon was feeling like twisted that day. They probably put one horn in on one side and I will have one devil's horn and not the other one. <laughs> Dude, that would be pretty cool though. It'd be pretty quirky. I think that fits. <laughs> I don't know how well it'll balance my halo, but <laughs> you know, I, I've got the lopsided unicorn thing going, right? That... 
I think is a pretty saucy look. <laughs> Lopsided unicorn. That's I'm right. <laughs> well, see, then you can keep your hat at a jaunty angle. Half pirate, half unicorn. Totally. Like they, yes. Somebody needs. Somebody needs to write unicorn pirate porn. <laughs> ha- you know that someone already has. <laughs> Just fire up the Google. <laughs> Amazon, the things that appear there. I. I don't even. <laughs> Come on, you know it's there somewhere. <laughs> if not, it will be a result of this. I'm sure that there is unicorn pirate porn somewhere. Oh of course God. there is. Don't that be is, silly. That hurts. That's <laughs> just no <laughs> thing. I have ice on my head a lot. There's an ice pack that rides around on top of my head sometimes. <laughs> Does your head like hurt? Sexy. Um, no, not. I get headaches, but it's not like hurting right now. It's just kind of numb on that side as all the bones and nerves heal. So I'm just waiting for feeling to return to my skull, which would be great. They did a really good job in not uh, butchering most of my hair. You got a lot of hair, too. I know. I still look pretty normal. Uh, And my hair is already starting to grow back where they shaved part of it. So it's all good. Cool. Brain surgery done. What's next? (laughs) Relaxing and recovery. Woohoo. And then what? Well, worry about that when you get there. (laughs) But I'm bored. See sick leave. I... I'm not the type of person who can sit around for like six weeks and do nothing. I'm like, I am bored. I need to go cause mischief. I need to go do stuff. Well, I need to go drive people nuts. You got a lot of books to read, my friend. See, that's driving people nuts. That's good. That's that's fun. Go read more books. <laughs> Always. I need that t-shirt. Go read more books. Yeah. Drink more tea. Read more books. Have more romance. Damn right. Dude, I want that shirt. Drink more tea, read more books, have more romance. That is like my life theme right there. (laughs) (laughs) Motto. It's a good motto, dude. It's a good life. It's a good motto. It solves all life's problems, that's for sure. And that is all for this week's episode. I want to thank Sassy Outwater for hanging out with me. Her gallbladder surgery went marvelously well, so now she's recovering from more surgery because apparently that's her job in July. And she has more books to read, so yay! All of the books that we mentioned are going to be in the podcast entry should you be curious or wish to buy them for your very own. And I am curious. I want to ask you, what's on your list of feel-good recovery books? Are there books that you've read when you're sick or recovering from surgery or postpartum when you can't do all that much? What's on your list when you need a book to really help you recover and be happy? Please feel free to email me because I'm really curious. Our podcast email is sbjpodcast at gmail.com. This week's podcast was brought to you by New American Library, publisher of The Caller, the sizzling hot new submissive novel from New York Times bestselling author Tara Sumi, available now wherever books are sold. Each week, we do a podcast transcript on Smart Bitches Trashy Books, which is a complete printed transcript of the podcast. We do this partially because some people don't like to listen and also for hearing impaired people who don't want to miss out on the funky fun stuff that we do. This week's podcast transcript, which is compiled by Garlic Knitter, was sponsored by Wattpad, a community where over 40 million people from around the world are reading, writing, and connecting over stories. With Wattpad, you can escape into a story, express yourself creatively, and connect with people who love the same things you do, all from the internet-connected device you already own. Wattpad is an engaging and supportive community that brings stories to life and connects readers and authors in a totally new way. Join today to find your happily ever after. 
The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is the Pete Bog Fairies. I'm still enjoying their brand new album, Black House. This track is called The Ranch, and you can find the Pete Bog Fairies on their website, on Amazon, or on iTunes, or wherever you like to buy your fine, funky music. We have more podcasts coming up where we talk about romance novels. I'm interviewing more readers. I'm having a really good time doing that. And we're going to talk to people from NPR who are doing the Summer of Love, which is all the best romances for an entirely huge recommendation list. In the meantime, on behalf of Sassy Outwater and Jane and myself, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend. Music